You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 275. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. See us, Stock. Hello. Hey, Sanesan. How are you guys? Good. Annika, welcome back. How are you? Yeah, you're <laughs> back. Yes, I'm. I'm good. It, it pretty much only took me a day and a bit to get over the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm good. <laughs> How bad was it? It wasn't super bad. I was um, just very exhausted on the day after, which also mm-hmm. baby maybe might have had an impact on that too. <laughs> no. And my arm <laughs> felt a bit sore, but apart from that. I was pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you recommend it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. 10 of 10, I recommend it. <laughs> very good. So because I did try very, very hard yesterday to get a time slot for being vaccinated, uh, because they, they in the south part of Sweden, in that health region, they released the bookings for people in my age group, 50 to 59 year olds. And that turned out to be 150,000 people about and they only had i think less than 10,000 doses. Ooh, that's how much. Yeah, which meant that of course the website where you're supposed to book it just crashed <laughs> for 3 or 4 hours and then when it finally came about it took 8 minutes for all time slots to be booked. So wow. I didn't get to book anything. I I managed to get as we record this tomorrow I might be if I'm extremely lucky if they have a cancellation. I am on the line for, for, for you know, short notice, come and get your vaccine dose. I don't think that'll happen because there's so many people who want to be vaccinated, which is a, a good thing, I believe. Yeah, it's a bittersweet thing, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, I'm pretty sure that your government didn't do that, but uh, ours took on the opportunity when uh, the, the website for the registrations uh, crashed. Mm-hmm. They immediately came out with press releases claiming that it was a cyber attack. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the, the the authorities here are much too honest. They just uh, they were interviewed, of course, in the in the local media, and they just scratched their heads and said, <laughs> "We have no idea what happened." That's <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Okay, you didn't have any idea. You knew how many people is in that target group, and you know. You you could have prepared for this. We don't know. Uh, so anyway, I will eventually get vaccinated, I hope, but I don't know uh, when. But in the coming weeks, they will release more and more uh, registration slots. So I think uh, it will happen. Which vaccines are being used in uh, Sweden? F- uh, mostly, uh, I think it's 85% Pfizer and 15% Moderna. Uh, they do still have a few uh, AstraZeneca doses, but they are reserved for the second dose for the elder people who've already gotten their first dose. That's good. Yeah. No Sputnik in sight. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Astra and I'm waiting for the call from the GP because I, I had to go to the GP to, to get my jab. Mm. It's been exactly a month since I got my first, but they have now expanded the time between the two to almost three months. Ah. Okay. So I might not be getting my second jab before July. So I don't know. Will they call you uh, or will you? They will. Yeah. 
Yes. That's what they told me. Okay, okay, good, good. So <laughs> so you don't have to crash another website to get your second dose. Mm, no. Okay. Oh, by the way, have I told you that we have a thing called the ID of immunity? Have I told you about that? No. 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 That the government releases, and that's the weird part, that they do it after your first jab. <laughs> they release a, an ID card that is issued with your passport number or your ID number, and it claims that you're immune to right. SARS-CoV-2. Actually, you did tell us. I, I didn't mean know what you mean, meant, but yes, you did tell us. And I received my, my card today. <laughs> right. So even before you're fully vaccinated, you just have a stamp saying you're, you're immune. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> By the way, uh, I just read that uh, there was a study that came out and it looks like uh, the antibodies that are generated as a result of your vaccination, Annika, your child might be able to get the benefit of your your vaccination through ah. being released to the... In the breast milk. To the breast milk. Okay. Yeah, Very exactly. good. It's... It's it's a really cool thing because um, that also can happen during um, later stages of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's always beneficial to get vaccinated, <laughs> at least uh, in the later stages of pregnancy. Yeah, and it's not surprising at all because it, it happens with with many other vaccines, but it looks like it's happening with uh, the Pfizer vaccine as well. So quite good. Do we want to take a short break until... Yeah, probably. The, until the moon is in the right face, if we put it <laughs> oh, that way. Moon, the moon is... Uh, also got vac- uh, vaccinated yesterday. Sure. Oh. She's not really in the right face right now, anyway. <laughs> what did she get? The five-point jab that is like diphtheria, tetanus, mm-hmm. this and that and that and that and that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a buffet. Yeah. Like buffet. the last episode, a buffet of vaccines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, rotavirus and pneumococcus. And, uh, <laughs> Are these all compulsory? Nothing, nothing is compulsory in Germany. <laughs> so by that, is it still provided? I mean, if you want your child to be vaccinated with all of those is yeah. it still provided f- free of charge yeah yes good so That's it's good. free of charge and recommended yes mm-hmm. yeah, everything is recommended but nothing is uh mandatory <laughs> yeah yeah which is a difference between hungary and germany mm. because here it's free of charge but it's also mandatory <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can even lose custody of your child if you fail to vaccinate wow wow yeah <laughs> that's a difference <laughs> it is a difference indeed <laughs> but the tolerance levels are, are absolutely different between countries, right? Yeah, and, and did you know that there are several countries in the world where um, it's actually illegal to to be homosexual? Mm, yeah, I know. Yes, unfortunately, we are aware, right. aware of that. Right. Yeah. And in some countries, they state, we don't have any homosexuals. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, fine. Of course not. Uh, no, of course, of course not. not. No, you... We, oh, God. Yeah, and to, to yeah. just give homosexuals and bisexuals and tra- transsexuals a place to raise awareness, um, there was um, the International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia and Biphobia yesterday. Ooh. So on the 17th of May. Good. Good. And it's like, I just want to say it's, it's just important that everybody can just be who they are and love who they want to love and it's none of my business who my neighbor loves exactly or what's in in his or her or their pants you know <laughs> no exactly exactly it's, it should be obvious but unfortunately it is not yeah as long as it's consensual yeah yeah, yeah. Of course. and the other thing is that a lot of countries have come so far 
to achieve this level of tolerance and acceptance. And one of those countries is uh, is Canada, one of my favorites, a favorite places that I, that I visit very often. Not for the for the last year or so, which which is quite a shame. But Pierre Trudeau, the the father of uh, the the current prime minister, who was also a prime minister for a long time, he famously said that. There's no place for the state in the bedrooms of the nation. And that is so true. Mm. Yes. That is Very so true. true. Very true. None of your business what, the, what that person does in their bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to have sex with me. I mean, then maybe you, you could ask. But <laughs> you could ask. Yeah, but please ask first. Yeah. Please ask and ask for my consent before you do anything. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, boy. So what else is new? I think you were supposed to be on, on TV, weren't you, Andras? Last we talked to you. Yeah, I saw something on oh, Facebook. Oh, actually, then. I was. Yeah? Actually, I was. Well, as of the day of this recording, it was last night mm-hmm. that the homeopathy debate was aired. And there were two of us um, representing the, the side of science and skepticism. Jean-Claude Bordecoy, who's a professor of biology at uh, one of the most prestigious universities of, of the country. And he's been doing this fight for a long, long time. And uh, him and myself, we were on the one, one side, and then on the other side there was a, a pediatrician who's, who's also a homeopath and uh, an advisor on homeopathy. And uh, so far, this has been the feedback about the debate, is that it was very civilized. Mm-hmm. Um, the manner of how we approached it and how we discussed things was not very heated and there was not too much tension between us. And that was intentional. That was my intention. I wanted it to be a friendly kind of debate. But I think we still need what we set out to do, which is providing the arguments of the side of science and skepticism. Right. And throw them out there because it's never about convincing your opponent it's always about getting the message through to those listening to it to the ones who are listening yes so yeah right awesome really cool <laughs> do, you, do you think there's a risk that you presented a sort of a false balance there yeah where, where you you were on one side and the homeopathy on the other side and no because i we tried very hard to make it clear that providing healthcare is something that has to be based on science in order for us to achieve the best possible outcome. Mm. So it's not about us just clinging to science just for the sake of it. It's because that's the best way to provide the best quality healthcare. Yeah. So this is the message what I wanted to, to get through. I, I don't know. Yeah, and homeopathy is big in, in Hungary, right? It is very widespread and people accept it without questioning it. Right. It's- and uh, the moderator guy said the actual number i think it was around the 80s so 80 ish percent of people accepted it as something that they would use right then you have your work cut out for you Andras. exactly exactly <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true but it's good to to be able to go online and and to reach out to a broader audience and yeah. for our swedish listeners Swedish-speaking listeners, I should say, I'd like to push a little bit uh, for two online events we will have here in Sweden coming up next week. So on Wednesday, on the 26th of May, there's a Skeptics in the Pub online, hosted by yours truly. (laughs) Uh, That's featuring a talk around QAnon and the insurrection at Capitol Hill in in January. And the speaker, it's not me, I'm just the host, the speaker is a well-known expert on conspiracy theories. He is called C.J. Ockerman, 
no, sorry, he's called C.J. Åkerberg. <laughs> and uh, many Swedish skeptics will have heard of him. And then uh, a few days later, on Saturday the 29th, there's the Swedish Skeptics Annual Meeting, which is, of course, also online this year. Uh, and that is followed by a chat with uh, Enlighteners of the Year 2020, which is Osa Wickfors and Christer Sturmark, which I guess quite a few of the, our listeners haven't heard of, but... At least Osa Wikvors is uh, a little bit of a celebrity here in Sweden. She's the only member of both the Royal Academy of Sciences and the Swedish Academy. And the Swedish Academy is the highest Swedish language authority. Uh, and also the, the entity that awards the Nobel Prize in literature every year. So that's quite... Uh, lot of uh, responsibility there. And since the Royal Academy of Sciences also awards uh, Nobel Prizes, the one in physics and the one in chemistry, she's actually a person who has a say in three of the Nobel Prizes. So that's pretty impressive. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So that'll be fun. <laughs> and uh, of course, these events are all in the events calendar at our, on our website, uh, theesp.eu. You just click on uh, the events calendar there and you will see when to log in. But it will be in Swedish. So unless you understand Swedish, it may be a little bit hard to follow. <laughs> but cool. <laughs> but cool. Yes. Yeah. Talking of things uh, that are hard to follow. If you're interested in, in my debate that we talked about earlier. Ah, Hungarian. We will include the link uh, on the show notes. But it's in Hungarian. So uh, mm. might be a bit of a challenge. <laughs> might. <laughs> <Yeah>. Maybe. <laughs> But who knows? All right. Shall we crack on the, with the show? I think so. Sure. Think so. There's a lot to talk about. It's still early in the night. Still early in the night. And the thing that we always start with is, of course, This Week in Skepticism, presented by Onika. Yes, and This Week in Skepticism, I had a bit of a choice, but I decided to choose somebody that was had a pretty huge impact on, on me, uh, on my skeptic life, so to say. And that is Ranganathan Gregor Yogeshwar, <laughs> also called Ranga Yogeshwar. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, he was born on the 18th of May, 1959. Funnily enough, the same day, but not the same year, my grandpa was born. So happy birthday, grandpa. <laughs> he's, not, he's not listening to this, but <laughs> I just wanted to give him a shout out to... How old is he? My grandpa, yeah. 85. Wow. Today, I think. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Many happy returns. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but back to Ranga Yogeshwar. He was uh, born on the 18th of May, as I said, and he's a Luxembourgish physicist and science journalist. And he's pretty much the predecessor of Mighty Nyan Kim. She's the one who received the German order of whatever you want to call it. Like she, she's the highly prized and highly decorated science communicator that we already talked about a lot on the show. And Ranga Yogeshwar grew up in India and Luxembourg and he speaks Luxembourgish, German, French, English, Tamil, Kannada, Hindi and Mal Malayalam. <laughs> Probably pronounced that wrong, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you would know what to do, dear listeners. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're still accepting it. Some people speak that language and other people can't even pronounce the lang name of the language. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please let us know how to do it. Yes. Oh, yes. Please. 
Please do. <laughs> so, but Ranga Yogeshwar then studied music in Die Kirche in Luxembourg and experimental physics in Aachen. He also worked at CERN. And in 83, he started working in radio and television. He worked with Jean Pütz and hosted the Wissenschaftsshow, which means the science show. And he's probably best known for Quarks and Co., which he hosted from 1993 to 2018. And this is exactly the show I always watched. <laughs> like, I think since being a child, we always watched it. It came every Tuesday and we watched it every Tuesday. And then um, then I went to bed. <laughs> so it was a bedtime thing for me. <laughs> and it was one of my favorite shows as a child and as a teenager. So I loved it. And now this show is hosted by Ralf Kaspers and Mighty. <laughs> Right. So the aforementioned science communicator. And Ranga Yogeshwar is also an, a big organizer of the March for Science. So mm -hmm. he's still doing the good work mm. <laughs> and definitely deserves a shout out and a happy birthday on our show for his awesome uh, science communication and everything else he does. <laughs> very good. Okay. Thank you very much, Monica. Thank you. <laughs> and... Uh... Moving on to finding out if Pontus has something to poke the Pope for. And actually, I, I don't. Uh, he is, of course, busy, as always. But I think he hasn't done anything <laughs> very outrageous this week. So I, I think we'll save that for when he does something really juicy. Maybe next week. Juicy. Do we want him to do anything <laughs> juicy? <laughs> I mean, Sounds so wrong. <laughs> do we? Do we really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he might end up being the really wrong as well. <laughs> if he does. Okay. <laughs> then moving further on and skipping COVID-19 update. I've got only one thing to say to you, dear listeners. Go and get your vaccine if you haven't yet. And if you can. That's the most important part as of now. All the rest has been covered by science shows all over the, the podcasting world. All that means we are turning to the news. All right, so first in news this week, we will uh, find that people are selfish and we have the science to prove it now. There, there is a new study that was published in the Lancet Public Health that looked into how you can increase people's willingness to get vaccinated against COVID. We course want as many people as possible to do that for the common good but right now 12% of the UK public are quote-unquote strongly hesitant about getting vaccinated turns out that appealing to the common good is not the best strategy to achieve this uh, vaccination rates according to this research and the researchers said in their paper quote It was clear that highlighting personal benefit was more effective than emphasizing collective benefit for those who were strongly hesitant, end quote. So people are not willing to get vaccinated for the good of everybody else, only if you have something to gain for it yourself. So the recommendation of this survey or this study is that you have to emphasize the personal benefits of getting vaccinated if you want to reach people who are, let's say, on the fence and don't know if they want to do it or not. But it's, it's a bit of a sad conclusion that people are not willing to do something that is extremely safe 
on behalf of others. They only want to do it if there's in something in it for them. Yeah. And in a way, they should realize that there is something in it for them because if we get everybody vaccinated, then everybody wins because uh, then we can reach this f- famous herd immunity or mm. so that we can maybe go back to something that um, is... Uh, well, normal. <laughs> Do I have to say that? I wonder. But isn't it a no-brainer, anyways? Because like you're protected, and you're not giving it to other people. Like it's it's like that's right. It's both things, anyways, isn't it? <laughs> but apparently, people don't want to do it unless there's something in it for them. More specifically, and they. Well, you don't die from COVID. Isn't that great? <laughs> well, that that is a benefit, though. That is, but but I guess people don't believe that. It, everybody believes that they're immortal, and they they it won't happen to them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but when it comes to the potential side effects, of course, I'm not talking about the usual vaccination reactions, mm. but side effects like the blood clotting events. Even if it's one in a hundred thousand cases that it happens, they still go with not choosing that because of that one in a thousand chance of them getting the blood clotting. But on the other hand, they don't care that if they don't vaccinate, they have like two in a hundred or one in 50 chance of getting seriously ill with COVID. And that could very easily lead to death. Yeah. So they, they, we just don't have a concept. Yeah, and of... even not even death, because you, you, there's more and more evidence coming out that you get long-term side effects of having COVID. Yes. Cognitive. Yes. Uh, not disabilities, but you know failures. You're not you're not a quite as sharp. You don't. You there's a lot of people live with a number of symptoms for a long, long time, even after they have quote unquote recovered. Exactly. So please get vaccinated, people. Yeah, it's probably also the the, the sense of actively putting something in your body and somehow hoping that if you don't do anything actively onto yourself then you can still avoid the disease and you can you can yeah. still get lucky and and not right contract yeah it. you put your it's... fingers in your ear and go la 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 it won't happen to me yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and i can't hear you because it, it 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 is being transmitted through the ears right oh, through 5g though. 5g which Annika has mm-hmm. by now yeah the more we talk about 5g I, the more i want it you know <laughs> <laughs> I want this chip, you know? <laughs> yeah, give me that jab, the second jab. I actually don't know much about the AstraZeneca's uh, chip, so I'm I'm just hoping that it contains one as well, because I, I really want a good reception. <laughs> free, free Wi-Fi forever, yes. Free, free Wi-Fi forever. <laughs> so I, I hear that they are directly linked to the Starlink system. Ooh, good. So... That is awesome. That is pretty good. So Astra is, is linked to the Starlink system and, and Moderna is linked to Bill Gates, right? That was that was the <laughs> theory, wasn't it? Right. Ah, okay. Okay, good. That makes sense. Makes sense. Astra means stars anyway, so it makes makes See, a lot of sense. That, it has to be Starlink. <laughs> oh, it cannot be any other way. Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. There are no coincidences. <laughs> okay, uh. we figured it out. <laughs> But coming from coincidences to um, a really cool thing that's happening in Nuremberg right now. Mm-hmm. But it could also happen everywhere or anywhere else because um, it's a virtual exhibition. Mm-hmm. It's called Zeichen der Zukunft, Wahrsagen in Ostasien und Europa. Jawohl. Absolutely. I, I totally <laughs> What does that agree. mean? <laughs> <laughs> 
amazing, right? <laughs> no, what it means is um, uh, signs of the future, fortune telling in East Asia and Europe. And it's a virtual exhibition, as I already said, with digital stories and a collection of videos. And uh, as might be interesting for Pontus, it includes papal prophecies of the Vaticinia de Sumis Pontificibus. <laughs> so Really? From the Pope. Well, not our Pope, but like history popes um, and prophecies of them. But isn't that considered cheating, actually? <laughs> if you're the Pope and you come out with a prophecy, then arguably you were told by God himself or herself or whatever. So but that is cheating. No, nah, but that's what a prophet means, Andras. <laughs> the prophecy comes from a prophet and a prophet is somebody who got it from God, isn't it? <laughs> Right, there's a lot of profit in the Vatican, <laughs> I know that. Yeah, you're right. But we have, we have a lot of other prophets too, like that's just where it historically came from, I think. Yeah, a prophecy is not necessarily related to God. I mean, Nostradamus had prophecies as well. Yeah, but this these prophecies were from the Pope and thus we can assume that they probably got it from the fairy. Oh, okay. <laughs> the sky fairy. The fairy godmother angel thing. Yes. Skeptical. Godmother. <laughs> <laughs> but coming back to the exhibition, um, it's um, definitely very interesting. So if you're speaking German and have internet, you should definitely check it out. <laughs> All right. You sure? Okay, I have some good news, people. <laughs> uh, we we follow the adventures of Edzard Ernst quite closely. He, he's a relentless warrior against scam. I think we should create a children's book, like a story that is like the relentless right. warrior Edzard Ernst. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so. I think so. And, and scam, of course, in Edzard Ernst's book means so-called alternative medicine. And he writes books and blogs. Almost daily he blogs uh, about this. And oh, yeah. here I have an example that what he does have good consequences. Because he and Les Rose and uh, Richard Rasker highlighted a very dubious study last year called, quote, Energy Medicine, Current Status and Future Perspectives, end quote. So it's really a nonsense paper. And uh, among... Lots of things. It claims that quantum energies explain why healing and acupuncture and, and similar things works. Uh, it, among the things in the paper is this quote. Quantum physics teaches us that there is no difference between energy and matter. End okay. quote. Okay. Well, I, I think you got that wrong. Because firstly, I think they're referring to... Um, uh, special relativity here or the theory of that yeah. that's not quantum physics and secondly there is actually a difference between energy and matter you can convert the one into the other but if there was no difference then we wouldn't talk about it as two different things and then there's another quote uh, there's a lot of quotes I'll, I'll just give you one more this quote is all systems in the human being from the atomic to the molecular level are constantly in motion creating resonance. This resonance is important to understanding how subtle energy directs and maintains health and wellness in the human being, end quote. That is just word salad. And uh, no, <laughs> is. none of it makes any sense. It sounds like Deepak Chopra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Isn't, isn't he one of the authors? I, 
I, I don't think so. But if you go to the Swedish skeptics website and look into the skeptical di- dictionary there, and you click on word salad, you actually get to Deepak Chopra. So <laughs> that, that is very apt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deepak Chopra's uh, claims and some of his ideas, I think, or, or the things he said, are the basis for the esoteric bullshit generator. Right, exactly. Tom Williamson uh, created that, and and uh, you could go and we maybe we put that in the show notes as well, just to, <laughs> yeah, so you can <laughs> test your Deepak Chopra third, second, sixth sense. <laughs> anyway, back to this paper. It also claimed that acupuncture needles act like batteries, oh, cool. emitting low level of electricity into the body, which of course it doesn't, and it, it can't. And uh, if it did, you could detect it. But um, the author just put that in as a fact, etc., etc. It's a, it's a nonsense paper. But back to the good news. Edsard Ernst and uh, Les Rose contacted the magazine that uh, published this uh, BS paper. And finally, six months later, after a couple of turns back and forth, kicking and screaming, the magazine has now finally retracted the paper so uh, I guess well done, boys, and uh, mm-hmm. just an example of uh, Edzard Ernst's superpowers. Uh, we need people like him to keep the rest of us sane. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to hear some more of the good achievements? Oh, please. Does the Pope wear a funny head? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, some of our listeners may remember that uh, about a year ago, I uh, reported that an investigation by the Hungarian Competition Authority was underway into the potentially misleading claims made by a cosmetics product manufacturer. Mm. Remember that? Yes, yes. The company has a product range called Varga Peptide, based on the the surname of the owner, that is said to contain something called pro-insulin C peptide. And they claimed that they had almost magical curing qualities. Hmm. Now, the dysfunctions and disorders they claim could be treated with these products range from a variety of cancers to autism to diabetes and, of course, COVID-19. Of course. Of course. So, since these are very bold claims that immediately cry for calling bullshit, (laughs) the authority was very quick to impose a temporary ban on the advertisement of these products while the investigation was ongoing. And I have to mention a friend of our organization, Shandor Meleg, who runs a brilliant blog about fed diets, food myth, and all kinds of crazy stuff related to food products. And he had filed a complaint against the owner of the company, and then sometime later even provided lots of additional evidence to the wrongdoings of the guy who goes by the name Gabor Vargo. So here we are about a year later and the proceedings concluded that indeed those advertisements contained unsubstantiated health claims that were designed to mislead consumers and make them believe in their uh, healing properties. Now it's important to point out that the authority did not investigate the product itself. Only the claims. Mm -hmm. We don't know if there is actual C-peptide in the product. So they didn't analyze it. Which is, I mean, the C-peptide, by the way, an important polypeptide, binding the the two chains together within the structure of pro-insulin. And pro-insulin is the precursor to insulin that we all know is a hormone and is tasked with uh, lowering blood glucose levels by promoting the absorption of it by those energy-hungry cells. Uh, It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yes, of course. So, in a way, 
you can kind of follow the transition of the idea from from the C-peptide playing an important role in the formation of insulin, which of course has serious implications on your metabolic activities, all the way to the almost magical properties that the seller associates with this protein. But that is more than a single logical jump. It's 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 more like a warp jump. <laughs> all right, so. The Hungarian Competition Authority only investigated the claims and whether they hold any water and concluded that the answer is a big, fat no. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you don't mind me uh, quoting the exact wording, even if it's somewhat lengthy, because it is so awesome, I might even end up learning it by heart at the end. So... <laughs> is it on, in hang- Hungarian or...? No, it's in English. Uh, okay, uh, they, they released they released it in English as well. So oh, good. I'm happy to report that we go. the link that we will include in the show notes is going to be in an English article. Okay, good. So what they say is that as a result, the decision of the GVH, that's the Hungarian Competition Authority, by the way, the decision of the GVH permanently prohibited the unlawful advertisement of the cosmetic skincare spray products containing pro-insulin C-peptide under any brand name and imposed the highest possible competition supervision fine, which is 117.8 million Hungarian forints. That equals about 330,000 euros on the undertaking. Among others, the decision of the authority took into account the fact that the affected group of consumers qualifies as vulnerable. Therefore, these consumers are particularly susceptible to promises about health improvement. The amount of the fine was also increased by the fact that the undertaking continued the infringement in spite of a public warning by the pharmaceutical authority prohibiting the operation of the website of the product range and the interim measure of the GVH. The authority considered it another aggravating factor that this was the third identical infringement found to have been committed by the company in the past 10 years. Third time. The authority also ordered the already published commercial communication, which infringed the law, to be removed. So it refers to Facebook, Vimeo, MediaWorks, YouTube, everything. Hmm. They have to remove everything and pay the fine of 330,000 euros. Hmm. Isn't this awesome? Yeah, very good. I mean, mean, say what you will about uh, Hungarian authorities, and I know you have said what you will about them, Andras, in the past, but it seems like when it comes to Mm -hmm. fake medicine and and pseudo-medicine, they are doing a fairly good job. Yeah, so it's a good thing that probably none of Orban's friends are involved in businesses like this because they, they're mostly building companies that, <laughs> that they are involved with. So <laughs> Yeah, okay. He hasn't found that part of the, the, no, that no, industry. No, no. He hasn't exploited no, that That's a good yet. thing. Yeah. So on, until we have that situation going on, right. I think we're good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and something that's also very good is that a long lost letter by Albert Einstein reveals that he actually predicted the discovery of an animal super sense that's um pretty cool (laughs) so was he a prophet then (laughs) Hmm, depends like it's yeah maybe just Einstein was just so smart that (laughs) he could do prophecies (laughs) because he's so scientific (laughs) Uh, he was a smart boy 
Well, he's widely regarded as a smart guy, so exactly. yes, maybe. So in this letter, he was discussing the possibility of an undiscovered supersense in his fan mail. And the letter is <clears throat> from the scientist to an engineer, written in 1949. And it seemed in this letter he was really... Um, prescient in biology and physics um, because he said and I quote it is thinkable that the investigation of the behavior of migratory birds and carrier pigeons may someday lead to the understanding of some physical process which is not yet known Uh and um, as we know now that is very spot on because birds can uh, sense the earth's magnetic field using special photoreceptors and that's particularly cool because um, Einstein thought of this possibility decades before the evidence actually revealed it. And it's not too far-fetched to, to just imagine that he could... Like, he could imagine that um, because he was a very smart guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Apparently, yes. Okay, so about looking into the future. The, the world is getting warmer, right? We have a climate change going on. And the state meteorology agency in Spain, they published some data regarding climate change and and global warming. Well, not so much global warming because they released numbers for just about Spain, but still it's all related, of course. And we know that the average temperature is rising all over the globe. Uh, In Spain, they found that the average temperature in 2020 was 1.7 degrees Celsius higher than the average in the period 1850 to 1900, so more or less uh, before the the industrial era, or in the beginning of it anyway. And it is accelerating, this increase. It has increased 1.3 degrees centigrade only in the last 60 years. And um, of course, these numbers should be compared with the target set by the Paris Agreement, which is two uh, degrees centigrade or Celsius. So this is bad news for the planet. We knew that already, but this is another confirmation that we're heading in the wrong direction. Then, of course, you have to uh, acknowledge that 2020 is just one year and Spain is not the total world. It can be different in other places and in different years can be warmer than others. But uh, it is a reminder that we are in deep trouble here on Earth. Yeah. And there are different scenarios. I mean, hundreds of scenarios that have been worked out for the for the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Mm-hmm. And only a handful of them are so optimistic that they actually work with the 1.5 degrees Right, <laughs> increase, and all the rest are projecting a much higher number. Right, I mean these numbers is one point seven degrees, so it's already above the one point five degrees. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. And the the other thing is that there is a distinct possibility that the temperature rise will be much much higher than than even two right. degrees. Yes, it's even likely. Yeah, yeah, it is. But the problem is that that will lead to all kinds of different issues, including food security globally. Mm. Mm. Because the, the, the areas where food growing is happening, this is, this is what's going on. They, they are now safe for now, but if the, the temperature changes drastically, whole areas where there is food production right now 
we'll be just completely devastated. Right. So we are fucked. <laughs> yes, we are. So let's just go from one disaster to another one. Woohoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about that? To just like to just end the episode on a very like not really end, but end the segment on a very down note. <laughs> yeah, let's try to assess how much fucked we are. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So there's a sensor oh, God. somewhere in Ukraine. And the sensor is keeping count of the neutron emissions in the rubble in Chernobyl. And this one recorded a spike in activity. That could be random. Um, and it might also drop down on itself. But we don't know if it will lead to a disaster or if it was just a glitch. They say um, the, if, if they need to fix it, there it's, it's challenging. And the chain reaction of neutrons can generate enormous amounts of energy. Mm-hmm. So it could lead to an uh, explosion. It also is totally dependent on the medium they're going through, like the neutrons are going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. when everything gets wet the fission rate spike or like go up i don't know if it's mm-hmm. a, if you can say mm-hmm. it's a spike but they go up and the rubble was pretty much more or less um, exposed to the elements mm-hmm. but the new safe confinement keeps everything dry since november 16 so it should be better now but the numbers are still going up <laughs> Um, they're rising very slowly. Uh, it's it's uh, they they refer to it as a spike, but it's it's like a steady spike. Yeah, it's like a like it keeps keeps spiking. rising. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's rising, um, but it's it's very rising slowly. So we have time to think about something. Mm-hmm. There are also plans of of a cleanup, but the the image they used in in the article that we'll also put in the show notes is um, it's smoldering right now, but it could fully ignite again. We don't know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If it explodes, it will be mostly contained by by the shelter and the um, new safe confinement. But it will also make long term cleanup way harder <laughs> if if like everything's radioactive everywhere again. Yeah. In there, the neutron levels have been rising for four years now, and yeah, we don't know yet if it just might fizzle out in itself or um, if there's intervention needed. But as I said, an intervention is not super easy to do, especially because they don't know what to do yet. As, yeah because it's not it's getting dry now it shouldn't <laughs> like it shouldn't go up now and they don't know why it's still going up mm-hmm. so yeah well but uh, throughout the decades it could easily fill up with thousands of uh, cubic meters of water so it's a like a like a mush of different materials anyway like like uh, they don't nobody went in there <laughs> since it happened since the the, the accident happened and that the, the large yeah that the reason why it could be contained within the shelter actually which is the original concrete in hungarian we refer to it as sarcophagus yeah in german too yeah <laughs> i think that's the international term as well yeah 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 but they, they usually refer to it as the shelter so but that's made out of co- concrete and it's probably not gonna withhold the, the explosion if it if it goes goes off but the explosion will not be nearly as devastating as the one that that was a result of the accident yeah because it's open it's not a closed high pressure room that thing is happening right now yeah it's it's much more open so it has room to expand and that is why they do believe that the shelter will be able to contain it or if not the shelter because the shelter could easily get so much damage as a result if if it if it blows up but the new safe confinement will still contain it yeah but just to make sure i mean to be clear 
the explosion that happened a number of years ago was not due to the nuclear... No, it wasn't a nuclear explosion. Reaction, no, it wasn't. per se. It was, it was the hydrogen that was building up. Yeah. And that exploded. So uh, you think about it... And then the graphite right. was burning for a long, long time. Yeah, it, that's right. So nuclear waste doesn't spontaneously explode yeah. naturally. It's, it's not an atomic bomb no. that's going off. It, it is uh, other uh, reactions that are going on. And that's why they want to keep an eye on it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, yes. So what's going on right now is there, there's a mush of, of things, including radioactive materials, some of them original uh, uranium and zirconium, and the, the other things are the split nuclei of uranium atoms. And the fission reactions are going on at the moment right and neutrons are being generated so fission reactions generate neutrons this is how you you get a chain reaction that uh the fissure is happening as a result of being bombarded with a neutron but then it splits the atom in two and then generates more neutrons that will cause more fission right it's a chain reaction right yeah exactly yeah. that is that is what, what a chain reaction is so an actual chain reaction might not happen there but it's the generation of combustible stuff as a result of the heat that's being generated by the current ongoing fission reactions. Yeah, so it's an interesting thing, but how the media presented it all over the world, yeah, that's the, just the sensationalism that, that, that's been going around about it, that, oh, we're all doomed. No, we're not. Yeah, you just say Chernobyl and, and, and something is active and everybody is like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think one, to turn this to, into the good angle or the positive angle to this, is that it's not the Soviet regime that is in charge of the news flow anymore. So we hear yeah, about this yeah. long before it is an actual problem. We say, okay, they're not trying to covering this up. They're saying that we may have a problem here and we yeah. want we need to maybe do something about it. That's not what the Soviet regime would have... Uh, communicated to the world yeah and as Annika said it's been going on for a couple of years right so the reason why it hit the news these days is because of the 35th anniversary there was a conference and they came out with the data on the conference and this is how it hit the news <laughs> yeah so yeah. happy jubilee happy anniversary <laughs> yeah happy 35th anniversary everyone all right thank you very much uh moving on to finding out who's been really wrong lately. Okay, I will try to stay away from the politics of this story because this is about a political party of the type that I don't like. But uh, it's also stupid from a, from a rational point of view. Mm -hmm. There is a party in Denmark, a political party, called the Danish People's Party which is one of those nationalistic parties we see all over the map these days in, in many, many countries. And they all think that their own country is better than anybody else's country. And still they seem to collaborate in ways that I don't, I don't understand that logic. But that's not this story. The Danish People's Party used to be a little bit bigger than they are today. Uh, but since the other parties gradually hijacked the tougher in immigration policies that the Danish People's Party had. And, and th that's the way things work now. We, we want to close the borders, blah, blah, blah. So 
As an effect, the Danish People's Party have shrunk a little bit and now have somewhere around 6 to 8% of the voters' support. And because they've shrunk, they need to harden their stance against foreigners because that's their stick, that's the only thing they've got probably. And uh, foreigners, of course, are the worst and they are responsible for any problem you can make up or, or think of. Their latest idea is... Uh, launched now by their cultural spokesperson is how how do we make uh, Denmark a little bit more Danish? Uh, because that will make the world a better place. Uh, this spokesperson's name, by the way, is the thoroughly Danish-sounding name of Morten Messerschmidt, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very Danish to me. Very, very Danish, yes. So how do you make Dan- uh, Denmark more Danish? This is the recipe. You are serving Danish meatballs in the school cafeteria. And, of course, you reintroduce morning prayers, of course. What else? Yes, because nothing says Denmark better than praying to a Middle Eastern god and his son who lived a thousand miles away two thousand years ago. I, I, I just become really, really upset with these these ideas and i don't think mm. i mean we i think all agree that religion does not have any place in school yeah or in any government or public function right yeah it's not an institutional thing it shouldn't be there <laughs> right yeah i mean religion is fine if you want to be, believe in whatever religion you want to but you keep it out of schools you keep it out of the public yeah. management of the country because the country is something totally different it's it's uh, you don't introduce mandatory praying in schools mm. And that's even like that's something that's even still in uh, in the German curriculum that we even normal <laughs> like non-religion teachers mm-hmm. they still ha- should teach um, what they say a glory of God oh. to, to uh, <laughs> a glory of yeah, God to honor God that's what we should teach mm. why uh, why yeah it's just like it, it's in the curriculum and oh, yeah Jesus, Jesus. whenever I hear I hear things like this. It, in the 21st century, knowing all that we know about the world by now, it sounds so ridiculous yeah. to honor God. Yeah. I don't know. It, it becomes more and more ridiculous to me. Yeah. And never mind. And by the way, the Danish People's Party, it makes me think of, of the People's Front of Judea or something like <laughs> from, from Life of Brian. <laughs> the popular party, no, they say, I know. <laughs> Anyway, for trying to reintroduce religion as a compulsory thing in schools, Morten Messerschmidt and his cronies in the Danish People's Party gets today's prize for being really wrong. Well deserved. Well deserved. Oh, by the way, if you w- we want to make uh, his name sound more Danish, according to Klaus Larsen, mm-hmm. whom we interviewed on episode 44, by the way, yes. he said the other day to me, if I want to speak Danish, I should try putting a stone in my mouth and try to pronounce the words. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Try that. All right. Try that. Master Schmidt. Master Schmidt. I don't have a st- I don't have a stone handy, but Schmidt. Martin Messerschmidt. That's the best I can. Master Schmidt. Oh, Messerschmidt. Oh, yeah. oh, that sounded very Danish. Good. Very good. <laughs> to somebody who doesn't speak Danish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I hope Klaus. I really hope you approve yeah. of uh, uh, Pontus's pronunciation. Send us your sound files if you have a better suggestion. <laughs> That's right. That's the best way to do it.
Okay. All right. So moving on to the closing part, which is a quote. And I'd like to mention first whom the quote is from. And that is Bam Goldecker, who's a British physician and science communicator and science writer. A brilliant one at that. I have heard of him. Me too. Yes. <laughs> I read several of his books as well. And he has many, many good articles that you can read in The Guardian as well. Also, I have to mention that he was born on the 20th of May. 1974 so we are also celebrating his birthday yes might be a science communicator week this this week <laughs> yeah that's right that's right <laughs> so but the important part is what he said and that is problems in medicine do not mean that homeopathic sugar pills work just because there are problems with aircraft design that doesn't mean that magic carpets really fly <laughs> no that's very very common you, yeah. you criticize something like homeopathy or anthroposophy or something and say but i have heard of one medicine that didn't work so ours are better yeah no no if you found something that's wrong with medicine let's fix that doesn't mean your stupid thing is better exactly mm. and if you want to want to read more of these clever thoughts of uh, ben goldacre then uh, i can recommend you a couple of couple of books like uh, bad science bad science bad pharma yeah. Because he takes a lot on pharma, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, and the bad pharma is all about that. Right. And the other one is a collection of his writings. That title that I really love is, I think you'll find it's a bit more complicated than that. <laughs> yes. So go ahead and read that too. But this concludes our show for this week. And I'd like to thank both of you, Annika and Pontus, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. Bis slat. You told me that aliens really exist. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe the, This resonance is important to understanding how subtle energy direct oh. this resonance is important to understanding how subtle energy la 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 thank you Pontus <laughs> I appreciate your effort it's better to make all the mistakes in one go because then you can just cut them out that's right right that's right <sighs> this re <laughs>